Charter and Disney are in the midst of a costly and poorly timed dispute. Plus, later on, we hear from Philadelphia Eagles linebacker Hassan Reddick. It's Wednesday, September 6th. I'm senior writer Owen Poindexter, and this is Front Office Sports Today. Disney and cable company Charter Communications are in a dispute that has caused Charter to drop Disney's channels, including ESPN, at a pretty big moment in the sports calendar. Here to discuss is Front Office Sports Newsletter co-author Eric Fisher. Welcome, Eric. Hello. So these things can change quickly, but as of now, what is the state of the dispute between Disney and Charter? They are talking and involving uh, executives at the highest levels at, on both sides, but there has not been significant progress. Things are still uh, pretty dug in at this point that uh, they are far apart on a deal. And is it just your kind of standard uh, Disney wants a certain amount of money for every subscriber that Charter has and Charter says that's too much? Mar- money is part of this, but also... Um, how they sort of think about the uh, direct t- direct to consumer uh, streaming networks within the Disney portfolio. Um, some other companies, the um, the streaming is a bit of a throw in. If you subscribe to the linear counterpart, Disney would not necessarily like that to be the case, and sort of have some additional fees brought on for the Disney Plus bundle, ESPN Plus, Hulu, that sort of thing. Uh, so. Money's part of it, but there's also a structural difference in terms of how the streaming networks are recognized and sold within the uh, charter umbrella. Yeah. And along those lines, I'm wondering if those streaming networks, ESPN Plus, Disney Plus, Hulu, are a point of leverage for Disney saying, you know, hey, if, if you don't, if your customers don't get ESPN here, they can get it with us. That's part of it. And and again, that's it helps to sort of typify where we are at this sort of great inflection point in the bundle because Charter's got their own issues that, you know, cord cutting is accelerating and they're like, what is the bundle at this point? And maybe we don't even want to be selling the bundle anymore. Maybe we just want to be selling Internet access and the like. And so you know, this thing has all sorts of sort of cosmic implications and, and sort of a, a grand rethought on what the bundle is and where it should be. Right. We've been, you know, in this very gradual shift to streaming and cord cutting. And it feels like sometimes there are these moments along the way that maybe cause a little jolt in that progress, but it's still yes. slow progress and very difficult for companies like Charter who are hanging on with cable. Someone's got to supply cable or someone is supplying cable for now, but it's it's long term. It's a losing operation. Yeah. And, and so the, the, these are kind of those uh, existential issues that both sides are, are grappling with, but happening to just come at this real, as you said in your intro, this real sort of busy time in the sports calendar that uh, college football is getting going. We're getting into the later rounds of the U.S. Open. Uh, you know, there's a lot happening. And the next big shoe to drop on this is if we still are not with a deal come Monday Night Football on the 11th, this thing is going to go to a whole other level. Right. And I was, I was about to ask if there are any, you know, natural or man-made, I guess, sports-related deadlines to get this resolved by. Is well, Monday Night that would football be the then? next big one is yeah. – uh, 
you know, there already was, uh, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, consumer frustration and not being able to get the networks. And what do we do now? Should we switch all that sort of thing over the weekend? Uh, but there is nothing like the NFL, as we've discussed many times. And so to have Monday night football and, and a big Bills Jets game debut of Aaron Rodgers and Green, et cetera, et cetera, uh, that not potentially being on the country's second largest cable carrier, you know, there's uh, that's going to, again, raise this to a whole other level. And as far as these negotiations go, is there anything to to watch for or just any factors to kind of be aware of other than they have to find somewhere in the middle for this to work out? So. The the other thing that would be sort of curious to see if this thing really gets dug in and dragged out over a long period of time is whether we start seeing third party insertion into the process, whether it be, you know, somebody on Capitol Hill or some other industry figure or what have you, that usually these things sort of stay between the two sides, between the programmer and the distributor and their respective customers. But if we start seeing some other notable third party, you know, uh, you know, a key senator, a key congressman, or another, ca- another company, another cable carrier that sort of piles on what have you, um, that's going to be another interesting thing. I, thus far, that does not seem to be the case. But again, we're, we're five days into this and we have, again, have not yet hit that first NFL game. Uh, but if this goes on to weeks and months, you know, who and, and what kind of third party intervention starts coming in. It's going to be an interesting thing to see. Right. And the other thing kind of lingering in my head here is that ESPN has said at some point ESPN plus is going to just, it's going to show all the ESPN stuff right now. It's a more select set of certain games and leagues. Um, eventually they want to make that ESPN and and more. I'm sure I think they can't just like flip that switch whenever they want because they're currently under contract. But I'm wondering if that's kind of lingering here is like one day you're not going to need charter you're, you're, to, to get ESPN. You're, you can just pay for ESPN plus. Yes. Uh, although it's going to be at a very high price point, uh, much like we've seen with some of these uh, RSN products that are 25 and $30 a month. That's the kind of ballpark that we would be talking about for a standalone version, full version of ESPN, which they've obviously been working on for months now and, you know, bringing in a lot of potential third parties to be part of that process. Uh, that'll happen at some point. But when it does, it's going to be at a high price point and, and it may work for some consumers to still, even with that being available, get it through the cable carrier where they can get a bunch of other stuff as well here. So that's going to be an interesting dynamic to see play out as well. Uh, but your overarching point is well taken that there's a bunch of external things that are sort of factoring into what would ordinarily be a fairly straightforward distribution disagreement. But there's you know, what is the state of the bundle? What is the state of ESPN going direct to consumer? How soon does that happen? What form does it take? Uh, there's a lot of these other big, big issues that are entering into the mix and, and takes, again, what would ordinarily be a fairly straightforward uh, dispute and bring it into a whole other level. All right. Eric Fisher, good stuff. Thanks for joining us. Always a pleasure. Checking in on a couple of other stories. Having Lionel Messi on Inter-Miami has gone as well as the team could have possibly hoped for, and the same is proving true for MLS and Apple. On Tuesday, the Wall Street Journal, citing data from Antenna, reported that on July 21st, the day of Messi's first game in pink, 
MLS season pass on Apple TV Plus had more than 110,000 signups. That's just short of their signup total for April, May, and June combined. In total, over 288,000 people signed up for MLS season pass in July, making it the service's best month of the year by more than double. The service cost $99 or $79 if you already had Apple TV Plus at the beginning of the year. But last week, Apple dropped the price of MLS Season Pass to $29 for the last three months of the season as it looks to juice those subscription numbers even more. And in college football, we have a strange situation in North Carolina where wide receiver Tez Walker did not play against South Carolina on Saturday because the NCAA said he's ineligible this year because he transferred twice. But the reasons for those transfers are crucial. The first one was during the COVID shutdowns when Walker's school, NC Central, did not play a football season that whole year. So he transferred to a school where he could play, that being Kent State. While he was there, he started to have some mental health issues, possibly related to the deteriorating health of his grandmother, for whom Tez has been the primary caregiver. He transferred to NC to be closer to home. That second transfer makes him ineligible under rules that were tightened after the transfer and would still make an exception for health-related issues. The NCAA is trying to rein in player mobility, as NIL adds a whole new angle to how players select schools, but Walker's situation is obviously very different. Walker wrote an open letter to NCAA President Charlie Baker saying, quote, I appeal to your logic as a man and a leader. Please review my situation so I can achieve my dream as a student athlete. Isn't that what the NCAA is supposed to do? Help student athletes achieve their dreams. Baker also got a letter from North Carolina Governor Roy Cooper, arguing that Walker is more than worthy of an exception here. The Tar Heels play a home game on Saturday, and the NCAA ought to make sure that Tez Walker is on the field. Up next, I spoke to Philadelphia Eagles linebacker Hassan Reddick. We spoke about his offseason, his charity work, and how the Eagles are different from other teams he's played for. That conversation is coming up next. Joined now by Philadelphia Eagles linebacker Hassan Reddick. Welcome, Hassan. What's up with you, Alan? How you doing? Doing good, doing good. How are you? I'm doing well. Can't complain. Great, great. How'd you spend your offseason? Oh, man, just, you know, taking some time to relax, get my my body back up under me. Um, a few vacations here and there uh, outside of the, you know, normal training and getting ready for the season, man. You know? Yeah, um, I am. Yeah. Cool. Where'd you go on vacation? Uh, I went to Greece. I went to Greece this past summer. Um, where else did I go? I went to Mexico. Uh, nice. And I also went to Jamaica. I went to Montego Bay. Yeah. So, All right. good summer. <laughs> yeah, not a bad summer. Yeah, I'm a little jealous. Uh, so you've been doing some work with uh, with Campbell's on their Chunky Sax Hunger campaign. Uh, tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so you know we're 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 partner um, partnering up to give back to the community. Uh, you know, chunk, like you said, Chunky Sacks Hunger. It's an initiative to give meals uh, back to families in need. One of the things is we have a goal of trying to give back two million uh, meals this football season. So with every you know Chunky's bowl that's purchased, Chunky's will be giving back a meal. Yeah, that, that's great. That's great. Um, and you know, you're you're someone who you know your your salary's increasing, your impact's increasing, your your fame's increasing. Um, you, you have more of an ability to to have an impact on on the world like this. 
Um, uh, are you feeling that, you know, your, your ability to, you know, reach, reach the world outside of football? Oh, most definitely. Um, you know, like you said, things have been going really well. So some, you know, big things have been happening for me, but it's, I've always believed in giving back to the community, you know, trying to share blessings, man. I'm just fortunate to be in the position that I'm in. So it's always been of importance to me to give back and try to help people in need. And what kind of impact do you think you want to have, you know, whether it's, you know, with something like this or in the business world or just, you know, something outside of football? Um, you know, I, I touched, I touch a, a, a lot of different, you know, I'm going to say topics or, uh, issues, um, you know, from Christmas, giving, doing Christmas donations, uh, back to school, um, you know, doing Thanksgiving drives, uh, most recently is partnering with Chunky so that we can tackle, uh, uh, you know, Chunky Sacks Hunger. This is the most recent thing that I'm a part of. And, um, I, I'm loving it because it's not about, you know, me, the work that I've done in the past have been, you know, more so local, you know, to where I'm, where I'm either where I'm playing and where I'm from. Uh, this year, I get to partner with Chunkies and now we're trying to hit the whole nation, you know, trying to take care of people all across the country and make sure that everybody has something to eat. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, speaking of where you've played, you, you've bounced around a little bit the last few years, uh, you know, played on three different teams in three years. How does it feel to be going back to the Eagles? Man, it feels good, you know, like you said, you know, been here, been there, but to finally be, you know, home and to, you know, know that I'm going to be here again for another season. Uh, it's just a blessing, man. You know, moving around, it can be a little bit annoying sometimes, but it's what comes with the business. But just I'm truly happy and blessed to be back here again with the Eagles. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people have pointed out how the Eagles do things a little differently on the field. Um, you know, like you go for it on fourth down all the time, which is not your department, but, um, but yeah, you know, they've got a different approach. Do you think there's an off the field component to that too, where it's a different kind of organization? Yeah, they're another uh, organization that's big on giving back as well. Um, I will say that of all the teams that I've been on, the three teams that I've been on, this is another, this, this organization, this team, the Philadelphia Eagles is the team that I've seen, uh, I'm going to see, uh, give back to the community most. They, they hit on a bunch of different initiatives and, you know, I'm, 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 I'm proud of that, uh, you know, cause I get a, I get to be a part of a lot of that stuff as well. Yeah. And, um, uh, what should we expect from the Eagles defense this year? <laughs> oh man, you know. We got a new DC, um, so some things are going to be different. You know, I don't want to give too much away, but you know, while some things some things we'll do differently, we'll do a lot of things the same. You know, try to keep the same style of football as far as a attack style defense. Um, man, so you know, the season is almost there on, and you you guys are going to have to wait, man. You know, we're we're a couple weeks out from the first game, and. Once I get there, everybody will start saying what, what the Philadelphia Eagles the defense has in store and what will look like. Yeah, you you came like right up to the edge of a Super Bowl victory last year. What what? How does that experience affect your approach going into this year? Just making sure you know. Last year was my first year going to the playoffs. Last year was my first year being in the Super Bowl. Um, and being a part of that process, being a part of that journey. 
I seen, I know what it takes to get back there. So the biggest thing for me is just doing, you know, doing the same things that I did last year that helped, you know, that that allowed me to play great on the field and help the team get there. Um, veteran leadership. Now that I know what to expect, you know, we got some young guys coming in, making sure they understand the standard and, and what's it like to be a Philadelphia Eagle, what's it mean, um, and how we did things last year in order to get back to where we were. Yeah, definitely. We've talked a lot on the show about running backs and how a lot of them aren't super happy right now about how they're getting paid. Um, I'm, I'm wondering, you know, if, well, if you have any thoughts on that, but also if uh, how how you feel about linebackers and do you think the position is getting you know paid according to its value? Oh, man, running back situation, you know, it's a it's a it's a little tricky, man. Um, but I will say that I am for players getting paid, especially players that make an impact and do their part, um, no matter what the position is. You know, you even asked me about linebackers. I feel like over recent years, linebackers have been getting paid. I felt like edge rushers have always gotten, gotten paid, you know, uh, a, a great amount. Um but, you know, I'm a guy who also played inside linebacker in the past and just knowing how difficult that is to see some of these other guys um, coming up now, getting their 19 and 20 million a year. I'm just happy for those guys at that position because they're they're setting a new precedent for that position. And like I said, inside linebacker is like quarterback of the defense. So to see them, you know, finally getting paid in a respective way uh, lets me know that the, the game is progressing into the right direction. All right. Hassan Reddick, really appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us. Hey, Owen, thank you for having me. That's it for today. We have some major interviews coming up, so subscribe if you haven't already. Enjoy your Wednesday. Thanks for listening. We will see you tomorrow. 